John chapter 8. I want to ask our members to take a moment to look around you. If you'd be kind and loving to share your Bible and the passage we're in with any guest or visitor who doesn't have a Bible. And I want them to follow us from the Word of God today, and they'll be a big help to you. I think this morning's message will be a very, very big help to us. And uh, we're praying that God will just help you today. If you're a guest and visitor today again at church, thank you for joining us. I hope you got a chance to check into our visitor center over in the Marine Center right over here and got a welcome packet and a gift from our church. If you did not, please stop over there before you leave this morning to do that. And I'm praying that uh, the one who invited you here will help you to just find your place there. John chapter 8, let's go down to verse 38 for time. We need to read quickly through the scripture today, and then we will uh, get right into our message. 8, John chapter 8, verse 30. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to start us with the even number verse. You're going to read the odd number verse. I want you to read loud and distinctly, and then we'll end up at verse 45, okay? I'll start us at verse 38. You read verse 39 and so forth there, and then we'll read verse 45 together. All together, listen, listen to the other as we, we read. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you have seen with your father. Congregation, they answered... But now ye seek to kill me, a man that has told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. Congregation. Jesus said unto them, If God were your father, ye would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God. Neither came I of myself, but he sent me. Congregation. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Verse 45 altogether. And because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. Look at verse 44 this morning. Kind of very startling statement by Jesus. These Jews who were very historical and um, very tied in tradition. Jesus has helped them understand it. We go back to verse 12. He said, I am, I am the light of the world. And the setting is we look at this this morning before we have prayer. Jesus is standing by the treasury. Now the treasury, we'll get into this another message, but the treasury was supported by these huge columns. It was an unmistakable location inside the temple. As people were coming and depositing their change, their money, because all their money, money was metallic, there was no cash. You could hear the clanging inside the container that was received, the receptacle that received it. And, and uh, the weight of it, the more expensive the, the denomination of the money was, the louder the clanging. This is the backdrop to where Jesus is speaking. And the Jews are arguing with Jesus. They are in denial that he is the son of God, that he claims the fact that God is his father. They said, well, that's not your father. And uh, Jesus, they said, well, our father is Abraham. He says, you're not of Abraham. As we see this morning, Jesus is leading up to something to help them understand where they were at spiritually. You know, it's important to know where you're at spiritually. You need to know where you're at spiritually right now. And Jesus, in talking, as we'll see as we unravel this for a few minutes this morning, makes this statement in verse 44, which is just kind of like in your face, like we would say today. You're not of Abraham. My father's not your father. He says, you're of your father, the devil. I want to preach you a message this morning that will help us to have discernment, which God wants us to have, and clarity. Which family are you in? Are you in God's family? 
Were you in Satan's family? Which family? That's important to know. And Jesus helps us to understand that in a loving way, very stern, but very loving way this morning as we look at the subject, your father, the devil. Father, this morning, we've had a wonderful time just being encouraged through the music, and we need to get right to the heart of the message today. Thank you for salvation, which is by grace through faith in your son, Jesus Christ. We consider the matter of salvation that all men need to come to the knowledge of truth and be certain that their sins are forgiven and that heaven's their home. It makes a clear distinction that basically you're either a child of the devil or you're a child of God. And we want to see that distinction this morning as best we can. And I pray for some perhaps struggling even with the matter of the question, am I really saved? Am I really in God's family? That, Lord, that that question could be settled firmly and clearly today. I know the devil does not want this message to be preached. I know the devil right now is perhaps already sowing seeds. And the Bible says even while we slept last night that he was sowing tares among his children. And, Lord, tonight, we, this morning, we just come honestly and truthfully and reverently to you and asking God that you would speak to our hearts and help us to understand your scriptures and who this personality, Satan, the devil, really is. God, I pray that you'll stir our hearts. I pray you speak to lives. I pray especially for salvations this morning. I pray for those who are struggling about whether or not they're really saved or not, that they'd get that cleared up today. Help those watching by live stream this morning, that I pray they'd listen very carefully. And even beyond to this morning's message, as some will go back and visit the podcast, we'll be encouraged to go to the podcast. I pray that this message would speak to their hearts, and the scriptures especially would unveil and, and help us to see where we're at in terms of our spiritual condition. Thank you for loving us and what we'll hear now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. We've been dealing a series entitled, Nothing But the Truth. God's Word is truth, amen? amen? God is all truth. He's the light of the world. Light sheds knowledge on truth. There's either truth or lies. There's no in-between. There's no such thing as gray, gray, a gray area there. It's either yes or it's a no. It's either dark or it's light. It's either truth or it's falsity. Jesus made the statement to these very arrogant proud and hateful Jews. He said, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. Someone coined this phrase that we use in English idioms. They say, like father, like son. I don't know if that's good or bad. If you're doing something good, hopefully your son replicates that. But he says, like father, like son. And I can say as we look at the subject for just a few moments today, we see like father, like son. Jesus is revealing the truth concerning this personality known as Satan or the devil. Jesus was telling them, you are spiritually related to the devil. It's kind of like a humorous story about this, this, uh, this church. And Satan came to this church. He walked in there, and as he started walking in, it was an old country church, and he started walking down, pews on both sides, not, 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 not like our church. Our church is kind of fanned on the four sides, and the devil's walking down there, personified like a human being, but everybody knew he was the devil, and people started seeing him. They started scattering out every place, except for one man that was on the front row, and the man in the front row just kind of went like this, and the devil was kind of perturbed that the man was not running out. I mean, grandmothers were running out, and grandfathers were running out, and children were screaming, and mothers were grabbing their children running out, and Dads didn't know what to do, and dads grabbed their wives, and people were just exiting the church every exit door they could, except for this one man who was kind of standing there, kind of like Brother Rob right here, just standing there like this there, you know, and looking at him. And the devil went up to him and says, aren't you scared of me? Don't, do you know who I am? Aren't you scared of me? He said, yeah, I know who you are. Do you, if you know who I am, how come you're not scared of me? He said, it's very easy. I married your sister 35 years ago. You know, some people look at the devil and they think that the devil is a, a comical figure. Back in the day when I was a kid growing up, there was a comedian that used to use this line. He said, the devil made me do it. And people like to laugh and make fun of the devil. And they have this caricature of the devil as this, this, this being with horns and a tail and all of that. I would tell you this morning that the personification of the devil, as we find in the Bible, is much worse than that. You see, this morning we must understand he's presented to us here. His personification is presented to us in verse 44 as the devil, the Satan, as a liar today. Notice in these verses we're going to be looking at these questions. Are you saved or are you lost? Are you living in freedom or are you living in bondage? Are you a son of God 
or you son of the devil? Will you believe the truth or will you believe the lies of the devil? The question this morning we must ask, is the devil your father? Notice the first thing we see this morning is Satan and his description. Would you consider me this morning Satan and his description? Jesus calls him the devil. Now, we need to go back and understand who is Satan. Is he a physical being? Satan is not a physical being. Please make note of that. Satan was a created being. Satan is not the creator. God the Father made Satan. But when he made him, he was not Satan in the beginning. He was a created spirit being. He's not a physical being, but a spirit being. As a spirit being, we find the record there in Isaiah chapter 14 that his name was Lucifer. He was created as Lucifer. The name Lucifer, which he was given at first, means the son of the morning. Now, you have to remember this. Satan is described in 2 Corinthians 11 as an angel of light. You might want to write this down. Satan is a deceiver. He is a mimicker. He likes to mimic whatever God does. But listen, his mimicking is, is kind of is, is basically not the same. It's, it's, it's kind of a knockoff, if I can say that there. And you might understand today, even though he's the son of the morning, aren't you glad today Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness? Amen. He's the bright and morning star, amen? So we thank God that when you look at Satan being the son of the morning, that did not say in that description, the name Lucifer, that he was greater than Jesus Christ. There are cults that will tell you that Lucifer and Jesus Christ are brothers. Hey, dispel that. That is not truth. That's a lie from the devil. Satan and Jesus are not, not, not brothers. Can I hear an amen about that, okay? Satan is a created being. Jesus is the creator of the world. So we need to understand today that Satan was a created being. Now, Satan, as we read Isaiah 14... And Ezekiel 28, Satan was filled with pride. He was wonderful, he was beautiful, he was the most beautiful of all the angelic beings. He was powerful and great, but he had one problem that, 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 that persisted inside him. He was very proud. And he said, he started saying a series of I, I will be greater than the highest, and I will ascend to the highest. He basically wanted to be equal to God and topple God. Satan was cast out of heaven. We read about that in Ezekiel 28. We read about that also in Revelation 13. He was cast out of heaven. So because of that, Satan is known as the God of this world. Now that means this universe, that this world that we're in, that we're in, he's the God of this world. That doesn't mean he created the world. It just means from a, from a standpoint, in terms of his domicile, his domicile is here in this world. He's not up in heaven. He's in this world. And that's where the powers of forces, which Paul calls principalities and powers and wickedness and high, spiritual wickedness in high places, that's where Satan's his realm and domain is right here in this world. Now, Notice after he became after he was cast out of heaven his name was changed to Satan Now write this down if you don't have this in your notes the name Satan means adversary an adversary is an enemy, someone against you. First Chronicles 21.1 says, And Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Now, the first time we have Satan's name mentioned in terms of Satan is First Chronicles 21.1. It says, Satan stood up to provoke Israel. It means adversary. He's against us. He's against everything we do. Satan is against God. Satan is against the Bible. Satan is against the truth. Satan is against everything that's good and right. He's against the church and he's against Heritage Baptist Church. He's against the Christian faith. He's against the doctrines of the scripture. He's against you and he's against me. Listen this morning, if you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, that's because the devil doesn't want you to get saved. If you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable, it's because the devil doesn't want you to hear the truth. If you're feeling like right now there's a heaviness over your eyes and you feel like you're falling asleep, hey, that's because the devil doesn't want you to hear what this message is all about. If you're feeling like today you're afraid that, that you're kind of tiptoeing around things, wondering that today is the preacher going to hit on some sinner issue you got going in your life, that's because the devil wants to, he, he has a spirit of intimidation and fear that he wants to afflict you with. I'm going to tell you this morning, Satan is a real spiritual being that is against you and against me. His name is recorded 49 times in the Bible, 15 times in the Old Testament, 34 times in the New Testament as Satan. But listen, Jesus does not just refer to him as Satan. In verse 44, he's called the devil. We have to understand that we have to mark that because several times with the gospel as well as in the epistles, he's called the devil. Now notice this, he says, you are of your father, the devil. The word devil means this, slanderer or false accuser. It is the Greek word diabolos. We have a mountain around the corner from it. It's called Mount Diablo. I don't know whose idea was to call it Mount Diablo. I don't like the idea of the mountain of the devil. Amen. You know, and, uh, but regardless of that, his name is Diablos or the slanderer or the accuser of the brethren. You know what Satan's doing right now while we're here in church, just trying to get 
Spirit, God to work in our hearts. Satan is accusing us before God. He's saying wicked things about you. Satan will work in somebody's heart who's not a very strong Christian. They'll catch a fault about somebody else. And they'll turn around and whisper to the other person and say, did you know this? And they'll spread some kind of uh, slanderous thing or uh, inappropriate thing about another person. Satan is an accuser of the brethren. He's a slanderer. He's called the devil. The very name personifies wickedness, evil, sin, and an anti-God agenda. He's also called the tempter. He is the undergirding and the source of temptations. 1 Thessalonians 3, 5 says, for this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you and our labor be in vain. If you suffered through temptations this week, and we all did, if you suffered through temptations of some kind this week, I can tell you today that he was the tempter trying to tempt you. He tempted Jesus. He tempted Elijah. He tempted Moses. He tempted He tempted the men of God. He tempted Abraham. He tempts me. He tempts you. Women are tempted. Children are tempted. Husbands are tempted. Fathers are tempted. Retirees are tempted. Young people are tempted. Listen, temptation is all around us. Listen, don't say God sent you the temptation. God did not send you the temptation. Neither, can, neither does God. Can God be tempted? But the devil is the one who brought the temptation. Well, he's, a, he's, called, he's called Satan, and he's called the devil, and he's called a tempter. But would you focus with me this morning something that's very troubling. Notice in verse 44, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father. You might want to underline that. The lust of your father. Satan is a lustful individual. He is filled with cravings and desires that are wicked, that are unmentionable, that are things that we shouldn't be saying. He's a very filthy, desirous person. And uh, we use the word we spoke about on Wednesday night, the word concupiscence, which means uh, cravings that are out of control, that are uninhibited, you might say. And he says here, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. And he says, he was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth. And it says, and there's because there's no truth in him. And then he says, because when he speak of the lie, he speaketh of his own. For notice this, he is a liar. Now, how many of you understand this morning that if I just went up to somebody and said, you're a liar, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty insulting, right? And that's pretty much in your face, and that could result in a fisticuff there, right? I mean, it's just, that's a pretty strong statement to call someone a liar. But Jesus made no, no, no bones about that. He said in verse 44, the devil is a liar. Listen, the entire personification of the devil is lies. There is no truth in him. Anything the devil tells you is, is not a truth. It's a lie. That's why you get in these, these, these debates and these questions in your mind. Satan is attacking our thoughts because the avenue by which he attacks us is our mind. Because the way we process things is by what we see, by what we hear, or what we experience. It processes itself in our mind. And if we're not very careful, there are certain things that can control our mind, which the Bible calls a stronghold. When those things control our mind and we're finding ourselves in difficulty and we're failing, those those are strongholds as Satan does. Notice again, Jesus says when he speaketh the lie, every time the devil opens his mouth, it's a lie. It's not truth. Every time he opens his mouth, it is a liar. He speaks of his own. He doesn't have an agenda for God. He does not have an agenda for good. He doesn't have an agenda for the family. He doesn't have an agenda for morality. He doesn't have an agenda for the word of God or for even church. He speaks a lie. The Bible says he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar. A liar does not tell the truth. He's a liar from the beginning. From the very moment he's lied. He deceived millions and millions of angels to follow him and to rebel against against God because he's a liar. Even right now, he's instigating lies. He uses different means to instigate lies. Jesus said, Satan abode not in truth. He cannot abide in truth because he's the opposite of truth. Everything about him is a lie. He's a liar and the father of lies. We go to Genesis chapter 3, and if you haven't read that recently, you need to go to Genesis 3. The very first mention of Satan, he comes as a serpent. He comes as the Bible calls a beguiling serpent. And he beguiled Eve. He came to Eve and he lied to Eve. Now Adam and Eve were, were highly intelligent beings because they were made in the image of God. And Adam and Eve were very intelligent, very wise. They named all the species. And Eve and Adam, they both knew that Satan was working through that, that serpent. But the serpent opened his mouth and started speaking to her and said to her, listen, I know there's a tree over here. And this tree, God said you shouldn't eat of it. But he 
said, if you eat of that tree, you'll become as God's little G. You see, that's man's quest. Humanism's quest is to become like God. Now, let me tell you something today. You may desire to become like God, but you'll never be God. You can't be God. There's only one God. Amen? And he's not going to share his glory with anybody else there. You have to understand this morning that Satan wants you to be little gods. Listen, that's the whole premise of the New Age movement. The New Age movement and humanism says, I am the God. I am myself. You look up all the major personalities of this world, this generation, the movers and shakers in finance and the movers and shakers in, in industry and in, in, the, in, the, in the artificial intelligence world. So these may be geniuses and they may be great in handling money and things of that nature and they may be founders and inventors, but the majority of them, if you study their lives, these men proclaim outright that they are atheists. They do not believe in a God. They believe they are God. They believe that their money is God. They believe that they're gods. And humanism is whole premise and the New Age movement, is premise is that we are little gods. May I remind you today, the moment we exalt ourselves, that he that exalt himself shall be brought low, the Bible says. And I will tell you today, as we look at this, Satan wants to instill in people's minds they can become like gods. And God, and that, that Satan, as he was impersonating himself through the serpent, told Eve, go ahead and eat of that fruit. He said, you shall not die. Now, God just told them truth in the previous chapter. He said by truth, if you eat of that tree, you shall die. That's truth. Now, I'm going to tell you, Satan might tell you something else, but God doesn't change his mind. When God proclaims the truth, the truth is truth, and God doesn't change that. Amen? And we have to understand, God doesn't change the truth. God doesn't color up the truth. God doesn't backpedal on the truth. When he states the truth, the truth is the truth. Now, we live in a world of deception, smoke and mirrors, magic tricks. Amen? And people want to deceive you of all these different kinds of things. You need to know the truth because Jesus said, if you know the truth, the truth shall make you free. And so we look at this here. The devil's telling lies to Eve and Adam. And he convinced them, if you eat of this, you will never die. Listen, they already had immortality. What are you talking about? You should never die. He said, if you, if you eat of this, he says, don't believe God. God is wrong. They partook of the fruit. And the Bible says their eyes were open. They saw they were naked. Listen, when they sinned, they went from innocence to realizing they had a conscience and realize they had a conscience. They brought the curse of sin upon the whole world and we are the beneficiaries of that and the recipients of that because by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. So then death has passed upon all men for all his sin. So the devil is a liar. He lied to Eve and Adam. He lied to their firstborn son Cain. He told Cain, hey Cain, you don't need to bring a blood sacrifice. You don't need to kill an animal that's firstborn. You don't need to bring a blood sacrifice. Just bring of your left Bring of your produce, bring of your lettuce and your celery. Take of that, those, those, those the vegetables that you don't want. He says, you can offer that to God. And God was not pleased with the offering of Cain. And Cain got angry, but he lied to Cain. And if you study the life of Cain, Cain never got saved. Cain had the influence of his parents on his life. He had the influence of a blood sacrifice in his life. But Cain never got saved. Cain was the world's first apostate. Cain was a man who rejected God and rejected the means that the only way to Jesus Christ, the only way you can be saved is the blood sprinkled way that you've got to come through the way of the cross. By the way, the way of the cross leads home still today, man. And so he lied to them and told them that. He lied to David and told David at a moment when kings should go forth to battle and the Israelites were fighting the Amorites and defeating them. David should have been on the front line. But that particular morning, he said, David, why don't you just stay home and sleep a little bit more? You've got Joab as your general and you've got his brother Abishai out there and you've got these men out there who can fight for you. You don't need to go out there, David. And so David stayed behind and David was at home all by himself. And David did something he shouldn't have done. He wasn't accountable to any man. He wasn't accountable to the high priest. He wasn't accountable to the man of God. He walked up top his rooftop, and where he was at on that palace, he could see a lot of people's homes. And that particular moment of time, the devil had got just kind of moved in David's life. I believe David didn't read his Bible that day. I don't believe that David prayed that day. And he walked on the roof. He was tempted by lustful temptations as he saw a woman on the rooftop down below taking a bath. He saw her full, just, uh, just, uh, uh, just completely exposed, and lust started to rage his members. And, of course, if you know the story there, David fell into terrible, terrible sin that fell upon he and his family. But listen, he lied to David. When he came to tempt Jesus, he lied to Jesus. You need to read Matthew chapter 4 and Luke chapter 4 of when the devil came to tempt Jesus. He said, he, said, he told him different things, which he twisted the word of God, and he promised things that he never keeps, keeps there. He lied to Jesus, but thank God Jesus overcame him, amen? Uh, he lied to Judas Iscariot and told Judas, hey, 30 pieces of silver are better than having Jesus. And Judas Iscariot learned later on that was wrong. He lied to Simon Peter and said, Simon Peter, you're pretty strong, Simon. You, you'll, you'll stand up for Jesus. And, and Simon didn't realize that he would fall, and Simon did fall. I'm telling you this morning that Satan is a liar, that the devil is a liar. He lies, and he tells you the lie that there is no God. He tells you the lie in our university system, in our school system, that you should believe the lies of 
science and evolution that there is no God. He tells you the lie that all roads lead to heaven. Now let me help with that this morning. All roads don't lead to heaven. There's only one road to heaven. That's Jesus Christ. And may I tell you this morning, it doesn't matter what they tell you about evolution and all that. You need to read Hebrews 11.3 because the Bible says all the parts we don't understand about creation, that's where faith comes in. That's where we understand how creation came about. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed. In other words, God perfected. God made perfect. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made by things which do appear. If you study Hebrews 11.3, it tells you very specifically there is no Big Bang Theory. It didn't happen to itself. There wasn't a major explosion. There wasn't an evolutionary process. Creation is exactly what God gave us in Genesis chapter 1. You say, well, it's too simple. Well, you know, thank God. God knows we're simple people. We need to hear simple things. Amen? And so that's how God explained it there. And so God, the devil lies about these things. He tells you the lie that church membership or religion will get you to heaven. He tells you the lie that sin is good and there are no consequences. He tells you the lie that the Bible does you, does, does you no good and you can get by without God's word. He tells you the lie to live and indulge yourself in pleasures and self-gratification and there will be no consequences. He's wrong. He tells you the lie. The church attendance is not a priority. And if you only show up once a week, once a month, or once a year, that's good enough. No, that's not good enough because God's word, the truth, tells us that's the opposite. We're not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of the sum is, but so much more as we see the day approaching. He tells you the lie that you can make it to heaven by living a good life. No, you cannot. The Bible says not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, by the work of regeneration, by the mercies of God. Listen, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not of works lest any man should boast hey praise God today I'm not going to heaven because there's any good in me and I'm not going to heaven because I've done any good works I'm going to heaven because of the wonderful grace of our Lord Jesus Christ I'm going to heaven because of what he did for me listen if I could go to heaven and boast my way to heaven there's no place in heaven for me because the Bible says not of works lest any man should boast but he might be planning that lie in your mind right now thinking that good works will get you to heaven he tells you the lie that you don't need to be concerned about making sure you're going to heaven. He'll tell you to put it off another day and put it off another day and put it off another month and put it off another year. He'll tell you, don't listen to that preacher. Don't listen to that Bible. Don't listen to that church. He'll tell you to put it off there. Hey, that's the lies of the devil. He is a liar. He's a liar because he abode not in the truth. There's no truth in him. He tells you the lie to put on a face and pretend you're someone who is saved. I wonder this morning if you're someone that you felt pressured by your friend and you just went through the motions and you prayed a prayer and maybe you just felt like, now because you're a little bit more educated and maybe because you have a little bit more money and because maybe you have a little more influence you feel like well maybe I made a mistake maybe deep down in your heart you realize your heart of hearts you really were not repentant you really were not sincere in calling upon Jesus to save you and because of that you went through the motions but you know you're not saved we'll see this morning in just a moment we'll see how do you know for sure that I'm a child of the devil or a child of God we'll see that in a moment but I'm going to tell you today if you've only gone through the motions and you're not really saved today you must get saved today you must trust Jesus Christ the Savior. You not, cannot put off to tomorrow. Behold, what a matter that would be, the Bible says. The Bible tells us we must believe today and not tomorrow, but the devil might be planting that seed in your mind. He tells you the lie that you should live to be successful and famous and that you can achieve the most important goal in your life by being successful and famous. Anything Satan puts in your head is the opposite of what God says. That's a lie. He tells you the lie that you do not need God or that you need less of God. He tells you the lie that God does not love you or God, or God is not there for you. I'm going to tell you this morning, if you've heard that lie, God is not there for you, that's a lie from the devil. If you've heard the lie, God does not love you, that's a lie from the devil. God loves you and God's there for you this morning. The devil's a liar because he bowed not the truth. But something else is troubling. Notice verse 44. He's not only a liar, he's a murderer. Now, how many of you lock your doors at night, amen? amen. How many of you look behind you to make sure you're not being followed in California, amen? How many understand we're in a crime-ridden world? Now, a murderer is someone who takes another person's life. And in all cases, it's a violent means. Hebrews 2.14 tells us that the devil has the power of death. Now, by the way, he has the power of death, but Jesus Christ has the power of life. Amen? A murder is a killer. Murder is a destroyer. Look, look at this. You are your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. What was the first murder that happened? Cain killed his brother Abel. 
The, lev the devil puts the lie in someone's head to take their life. The, the devil has propagated the lie that unborn children, you can take the life of unborn children, there's no consequence. That's called abortion. That's murder. Amen. Amen. The devil entices you into an excessive lifestyle of drugs, alcoholic, uh, alcohol consumption, immoral living, indulgent lifestyle to get you to die early. The devil kills reputations. The devil kills marriages. The devil kills relations between parents and their children, children and their parents. The devil kills families and relationships. The devil kills friendship. Hey, the devil kills your joy and the devil kills your happiness. The devil kills churches and the advancement of the gospel. The devil wants to kill you. He wants to keep you from getting saved and going to heaven. He is a murderer and he is a liar, Jesus said. And there's so much more we could say, but just these few words this morning, we see a description concerning the devil. Would you notice a second thing very quickly? We we see Satan in his description. Notice the verse 44 again. We see Satan and his descendants. The devil, his children. Ye are of your father, the devil. Am I a son of God or my son of the devil? Because if you're a son of the devil, you're not saved. You're a son of the devil. If you were to die today, you'll spend all of eternity in hell. As a son of the devil, that's not a good thing. God doesn't want you there. God wants you to become a son of God. Amen. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And to as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. God's will is that you become a son of his. And it says about Jesus Christ that when he came, he came in the fullness of time when he did so, that we might receive the adoption of sons. God wants you in his family this morning. He wants you to get out of the bad family, Satan's family. He wants you to get into his family. So how do you know, know that? Well, I want you to notice some markers of everyone who's a child of the devil. Would you notice this with me this morning? I want you to consider the markers of everyone who's a child of the devil. Notice verse 40, 42, the first marker. Verse 42, we notice the first marker is their contempt. There is contempt. Look what Jesus said in verse 42. Go back to verse 41. He said, you do the deeds of your father. Then verse 42, Jesus said unto them, if God were your father. Now notice this phrase here. He says, now you, you, you're telling me you're, God's your father, but he's not. He says, if God were your father, notice the next phrase, ye would. Whoa. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself, but he sent me. If you were of your father, God were your father, ye would love me. Now contempt means hatred disapproval or no love for if god were your father you would love me jesus said if you love me keep my commandments where there's no love for jesus and for his word is a clear indication god is not your father now i'm not now don't get worried christian friend if you're saved don't get worried here you say well does that mean if i sin against god that god doesn't love me no god still loves you that's why he gave us first john 1 9 but he's talking about someone who's never, who's never by faith accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior. He's talking about someone who's, not, who's living in darkness and they're enjoying that. They have, they're, they're, they have contempt towards Jesus. They have contempt. Listen this morning. You and I all know somebody who just, you mentioned the very name of God. You mentioned the very name of Jesus Christ. And you can see their face turn dark. And you can see anger come in their face. And they're just disrespectful. And they'll say something like, I don't want anything to do with God. Don't mention God's name to me. God's not there for me. God hates me and all these kind of things there. And God doesn't, but there's a contempt for God. Jesus said here, if, you, if, you, if God were your father, you would love me. Listen, when you love someone, you want to be with that person. Amen? Amen. Yeah. When you love someone, you're passionate about that person. You think about them. People don't love God. People that have never gotten saved, they don't love God. They don't think about God. They have no desire about being with God. They'd rather be with their car than be with their God. And don't take this in an insulting way, but some unsaved people would rather be with their animal than they'd be with God. Some people spend more on their pet food than they will give to God's work. And I'm just saying this morning, as we consider the word of God there, he says, when you love someone, you want to be with that person. When you love someone, you're happy to do what is asked and required of you. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. When you love someone, you believe in that person. Amen? You trust them. You believe in them. These Jews had a contempt for Christ. Marker number one, do you love Jesus Christ? Marker number one, is there a contempt? If God were your father, you would love me. Notice marker number two. The first marker is contempt. Notice the, the next one is closure. Would you read verses 43 and 47 with me, please? Now, Jesus is just shedding the light on the matter. 
He said in verse 43, why do you not understand my speech? Even because you cannot hear my word. Look at verse 47. He that is of God heareth God's word. Ye therefore hear them not because you are not of God. Now, the closure is, notice verse 43. He says, you want to know why you don't understand me? You want to know why you can't hear my word? Because you're not of me. You're not of my father. You're of your father, the devil. We saw last week that men love darkness rather than light. Jesus is saying here that, that people that are in this condition, marker number two, is saying there that they cannot receive the things of God. If it's all difficult and cloudy and you're just not making your way, you might have to reevaluate this morning. Did you truly repent of your sins and call on the Lord Jesus Christ to save you from your sin? He's looking again at verse 43. I mean, Jesus makes it very clear to these Jews. They thought they were right with God and they thought they were saved and they thought they were going to heaven. He says, why do you not understand my speech? Even because ye cannot hear my word. Listen this morning. If you despise God's word, if you have a hard time understanding what the Bible's saying, you need to evaluate and ask yourself the question, did I get truly saved and born again? Does Christ in my life? Marker number one, do you love God? Marker number two, you cannot receive the things of God. But marker number three is their conduct. Look at verse 44. He said, the lust of your father you will do. Now we saw again, as I mentioned earlier, we saw last week, men love darkness rather than light. People, someone who's a child of the devil, they are ensnared and in bondage to sin. They're ensnared and in bondage. We have to read all the preceding verses that lead up to that, okay? Sin becomes your taskmaster and holds you as a slave. You'd rather live in darkness rather than live in light. The Bible says in 1 John 3, 8, whosoever committed sin is of the devil. The devil uses sin to keep you in bondage and to blind you from seeing the truth. Now, marker number three is you would rather live in sin and stay in darkness than live for God. That's, that's a marker right now because, listen, number one, if you don't love him, if you, don't, if you cannot receive the things of God and you'd rather stay in sin, that's a clear evidence that, that you're not saved. It's a clear evidence that you're a child of the devil. That's why Jesus had to convince these Jews who understood the Old Testament, who learned the Old Testament, and they revered Abraham, and they revered Moses, and they revered the prophets. But these men, were, were, they were just very elitist in their attitude, and they were despiteful of God. And Jesus said there, you are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you will do. And so we see it, number one, we see number one in their contempt, number two, in their closure, number three, in their conduct, number four, notice, in their condemnation. Would you go back with me, verses 24 and 25? And Jesus is just saying this for, for us to understand, who are the descendants of Satan? I said, therefore, unto you, that ye shall die in your sins. If you believe not that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. Now, notice the key phrase, if you believe not. If you don't believe that Jesus Christ is God's son who came in the flesh, that he's the son of God who became the son of man, yet without sin, if you do not believe and accept that he's God, he was God incarnate, if you do not believe and accept that Christ died for all of your sins on the cross and then he rose again from the dead, if you will not believe that, he says, you shall die in your sins. And look at verse 40, uh, for, uh, later on, verse 25. He says, and because, in verse 45, he says, and because I tell you the truth, ye believe me not. That's what he was telling them. I'm telling you the truth, but you won't believe me. Now scroll down with me and look at John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18. In John chapter 3, verses 16 to 18, it tells us the greatest sin in all the world. The greatest sin in all the world is not murder, though murder is bad. And the greatest sin in all the world is not blasphemy, though blasphemy is bad. And the greatest sin in all the world is not adultery, though adultery is bad. Would you notice the greatest sin in all the world, as we read verses 16 to 18, is the sin of unbelief, a not believing that Jesus Christ could be your Savior today. He said in verse 16, a wonderful promise, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Hey, by the way, isn't that wonderful? God loves you. Amen? Not just loves you and me, he loves the entire world. Completely unbiased, completely loving, overflowing with love. He still loved the world that he demonstrates of. He gave his son Jesus Christ. He's the greatest giver. He gave his all and he gave his best. Christ died for our sins. And he says, that for, for, he says here that uh, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, and that's open-ended to anybody who will believe. That whosoever believed in them. Now, Jesus said that because he wanted those Jews to understand, hey, listen, you're of your father the devil, but you can believe on Jesus too. And he says, whosoever believeth in him should not perish. God does not want any man to go to hell. 
God doesn't want any man to leave this life and spend eternity separated from him. He wants you to have everlasting life. Notice verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now notice verse 18. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Aren't you glad this morning if you've believed on Jesus Christ? Amen? The sentence of condemnation is no longer on you. He says, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. Judgment's been passed. Being born in this world with a sin nature, judgment was already passed on us. Because the Bible says the wages of sin is death. And he says, he that believeth not, uh, not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Notice what John the Baptist said in John 3.36. Are you there? He believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abiding on him. Marker number one is contempt. Do you love Jesus? Marker number two is closure. You cannot receive the things of God. They're cloudy to you. You cannot and you will not receive the things of God. Marker number three is your conduct. You're of your father, the devil. You do is like you want to continue in sin. You want to continue living in darkness. Marker number four is you refuse to believe in the name of the Son of God. Now, if all those markers fall into place, those markers indication what Jesus said in verse 44, you of your father, the devil, and the lust your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there's no truth in him. He says later on in verse 45, and because I tell you the truth, you believe me not. Oh listen this morning, everyone who's never believed on Jesus Christ as their Savior, everyone who's never made a profession of faith in Christ to save them, everyone who perhaps has... um, who's perhaps just playing the game and going along with it. If you're not saved, today is the day to get saved. Today is the day to recognize Christ wants you to enter into his family. Christ wants you to have your sins washed away and so that you can be saved and know for sure that heaven is your home. That's what God wants for you. We see Satan and his description. We see Satan and his descendants, but I have some good news for you. I want you to notice Satan and his defeat. Satan and his defeat. Isn't that good, amen? Why are we listening to the devil? Why would we live in unbelief? And why would we want to live in sin and, and live for the devil? Why would we want to remain a child of the devil? Hey, listen, the devil is a defeated foe. Jesus Christ defeated him. No, no, it's Hebrews 2.14 with me, please. Hebrews 2.14, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. Now what's he saying there, okay? When we were born in this world, we acquired flesh and blood, but we also have a soul. When Jesus came into the world for our behalf, he also took on flesh and blood, yet without sin, okay? So for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also, Jesus Christ himself, likewise took part of the same. That through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil. Christ became a man to die for you and me, and through his death, praise the Lord, he destroyed the works of the devil. Amen? He destroyed the devil's works. He, he, he helped us to understand that the devil is a liar, and he helped us understand the devil doesn't have control over you. Jesus Christ can have control over you. He destroyed the works of the devil. He proved that Satan is not stronger than God. He proved that Jesus Christ has the power to give life to everyone who believes on him. Well, if that's not enough, notice 1 John 3, 8. 1 John 3, 8 says, He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Satan is a defeated foe. When Christ died on the cross and he cried out those words, it is finished. He finished a transaction for every sinner. Sin, the sin debt, was paid in full. Christ satisfied all of God's demands for sin. He left a zero balance. That's a blessing, amen? He left a zero balance. We don't owe him anything because he died for our sins. But we must understand the greatest thing with that he's defeated the works of the devil the devil is a defeated foe yes he's still the god of this world until the time that god judges him and casts him into the lake of fire but he's a defeated foe because greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world you are of god little children john said you are of god if you know jesus christ as savior you are god's children you are of god you are god's chosen possession you're a purchased possession god loves you god is your father the devil is no longer your father you sever ties with that old liar. You sever ties with that old murderer. You sever ties with that old devil. And thank God you embraced Jesus Christ and took him as Savior. And God the Father became your father this morning. 
John 1.12 says, For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Becoming a son of God brings you entrance and, ado entrance and adoption into God's family. The Bible tells us right there what we just saw in John 1.12. You become a son of God through faith and belief on the name of Jesus Christ as your Savior. We must believe on the name of Jesus Christ. Listen, the name of Alan Fong, the name of a president, the name of a world leader, the name of a church, the name of an institution, the name of any of those things cannot get you into heaven. Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in, in any other, for there is none other name given among men under heaven, whereby we must be saved. Notice that phrase. There's none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Only the name of Jesus can save you from your sins. Only the name of Jesus can wash away your sins. Only the name of Jesus can give you the privilege of becoming a son of God immediately. Thank God yesterday, as our, our we had so many teams out and about San Leandro and the surrounding communities around several cities. Thank God yesterday for five individuals who trusted Jesus Christ as Savior. They called on the Lord to save them. You know what happened for them? They went from being children of the devil, they became children of God. Go with me to Ephesians chapter 2. Would you notice this please? Ephesians 2, we're almost done. Ephesians chapter 2. Not in your notes, so you've got to go to Ephesians 2. You need to exercise your fingers a little bit in church. Amen? Ephesians chapter 2. Satan is a defeated foe. Ephesians 2. Say amen if you're there. Amen. Notice verse 1. And you has he quickened. Now the word quickened means made alive. You know what he means there? He's talking about people that are saved. You has he quickened. You has he made alive. You has, has he given new life. He's talking about someone who was dead, okay? You has he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Now the Bible description to all of us, who, to anybody here today who's not a Christian, who's not born again, you are dead in trespasses and sins. You're a dead man. You're a dead man. You're dead in trespasses and sins. But Jesus Christ wants to give you life, Amen. You're dead in trespass and sin, but he makes you alive. How? Well, he's talked about verse 2 and 3, about our, our, about our past, what we just talked about. He says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Who's that? That's the devil. He's the prince of the power of the air. You were children of the devil. He says, you walk according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Now, there's some strong things Paul says here. Number one in verse two, that before you got saved or before you get saved, you're children of the devil. Secondly, he says, the spirit of Satan proves that we're children of disobedience because we would rather rebel against God. Even right now, the devil is lying to you and fighting you to keep you from believing on Jesus Christ. He says, you're children of disobedience. In verse three, among whom also we had our conversation times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. You know what he's saying there? We were children that were depraved because the description there is talking about sin in its worst form. The word iniquity is a word that describes the depravity of man, wickedness unleashed, wickedness uninhibited. And he says in verse 3, also we all had our conversation or conduct in times past in the lust of our flesh. Remember Jesus said, you, you do the lust of your father? He's talking about that. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. Now watch what God is saying here. He describes our sinful condition. Children of the devil, children that are depraved, children that are in darkness, children that are disobedient. But bless God, God doesn't want you to stay there. We go back to verse 1, and we go back to verse 4. Look at verse 4. In verse 4, he says, but, thank God, God's in the picture, amen? amen. But God, God is the difference maker. But God, who is rich in his mercy, the Bible says in verse 4, God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, has quickened us together and made us alive together by, with Christ. By grace, you're saved. Now, here's what we want to do today. We see today as we read these verses, God wants you to be saved. God doesn't want you to be sitting on, the, sitting on the fence wondering, do I have time? No. Behold, now is the day of salvation. God doesn't want you thinking that religion will save you. And thank God for religion if it helps you to be a good person. And thank God for religion if it helps you just to examine your conscience. But religion is not what we need. The Bible says we need regeneration. Regeneration means we must be born again. Born again is spiritual birth that happens from above, not from below. Listen, it's not physical birth we need. It is spiritual birth. 
earth that we need. God wants you to make sure heaven's your home. Just as those five yesterday and a student at UC Berkeley on Wednesday night received and accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Instantaneously, they, be, they got their sins forgiven. Instantaneously, God made them sons of God. Instantaneously, heaven became their home. And they went from being, being someone who was not sure they're saved to being someone that they were saved. I thank God yesterday my wife and I were visiting with some folks that came to our Easter service and, and we got to explain the gospel to them. And I explained and asked them this question. My opening question was, I want to ask you this question. I said, if today was your last day on earth, what percentage are you sure that you're going to heaven? And they did something that morning that I'd never seen happen before, but all three of them that were sitting there, they took, they took a handkerchief or a piece of paper and started going like this. And I said, I said, did I say something wrong? And they were going like this, and, and uh, one of the participants said, Pastor, um, I got a lot of thoughts in my head, and honestly, I hope I'm 30% sure I'm going to heaven. They just go going like this. Praise God, they got saved afterwards. He makes you alive. I'm praying for my good friend Dan Garlic and several folks on our prayer page right now who are suffering very badly. One of the ladies, one of the people that got saved yesterday was diagnosed with myeloma. A special prayer for them. I told Brother Garlic, Brother Justin was on the conference call when I prayed with him. I said, Brother Garlic, I said, now I'm praying that God will raise you back up. Brother Garlic says something like this. He said, he said this, this is the second time he said this. He says, you know, I'm just praying God will help me have strength and ability to live a little bit longer so I can serve him. You know, when you're sick, if you've heard bad news, you think about if I could just live my life again. I just had a few more years, a little bit more time. God gives us something better than that. This is you who were dead has he quickened. You have new life in Jesus Christ. God wants you to be saved today. You've been hanging out, young people, older people. You've only gone through the motions. If you fit those markers, you don't love God. You cannot receive the things of God. Your conduct is you rather live in sin than live for God. And you will not believe. You're filled with unbelief. Sad to say, and I say it with remorse and regret, you're your father, the devil. God doesn't want you to stay there. God wants you to be saved. There's Satan in his description. There's Satan and his descendants. Satan is defeated. My last thing this morning is Satan and your decision. What are you going to do with Jesus? What are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus is the light of the world. Jesus wants you to be saved. most important decision you can make, you need to make right now. Don't put it off. You say, well, man, I, God's touching some buttons. Well, if you touch the buttons, you need to respond to God. Amen? I say, Lord, thank you for loving me enough to help me realize I'm not really saved and I need to get saved. Because with wide open arms, he opens his arms in love and reaches out to you that you might come to him. And know him as your personal savior today. Be saved today. Come to Christ. He invites you this morning. Make Jesus your savior. Are you a child of the devil? Or a child of God? Why don't you change that picture tonight? Amen? Change that picture right now. Come to Christ. The Bible says when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, Jesus Christ made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem or to buy out of sin them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. That's a promise from God. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5. He wants you to come to his family. Every head bowed and every eye closed.